0: It's wonderful to be here in this beautiful place, Bethlehem. What a place to be at Christmas. You know, wouldn't it be cool? Where were you at Christmas? Bethlehem. Where else would you want to be at Christmas than Bethlehem, Baptist Church? Anyway, um, one time Jesus actually was uh, like coming to speak and there was a big crowd gathered around, probably not unlike the group that are here today, and Jesus, you know, being both God and man at the same time, uh, knew and could discern what people were thinking and what was going on. So he knew that there were certain people in the crowd who were called teachers of the law who were looking for a way to trap Jesus. They were the people that thought they had it all together But they didn't because their hearts were hard and there were a whole bunch of problems. But then in that same crowd, there was another group of people and this group of people were described as sinners and tax collectors. And they sat in the crowd or stood in the crowd and they went, oh, we're not worthy to be here, but they were wanting and humble to hear what Jesus had to say. So one group's looking to hear what Jesus got to say to trap him and one group's looking to hear what Jesus got to say so they can actually hear what the Son of God's saying, Jesus Christ. And then as Jesus knowing this story, he starts to say a couple of stories and he starts off with a, with a story probably you know very well about the lost sheep and then he goes into the story about the lost coin And then he tells this other story about a farmer who's living on a farm and he has these two sons. There's an older son and a younger son. And the younger son comes to his dad one day and says, Dad, I would like my share of the inheritance now. Now, in a sense, what he was saying, because you don't get your share of the inheritance in that day and age until the person really had kind of passed on, and in, a, in some ways, he's kind of bringing shame on the family, and he's saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. I really want the money now. And um, the dad, being an incredibly loving, generous father, divided out his part for the younger son. Now here's the deal. The father would not have had the money to give to the son. He would have had to sell property to actually get that money to give it to him. He got his share. So the oldest son would have got two thirds. The son, younger son would have got one third. So the younger son gets the money. He goes, you beauty, I've got the cash. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave home now because I've got money. I can do my own thing when I want to, how I want to and where I want to. And he takes off. He goes off to another land. He gets caught up with all these friends. And, you know, when you've got a lot of money and you're flashing around, you know, you, people kind of get attracted to that. And that's what happened to him. He had all these friends and these people and they were getting caught up, party, 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 you know, and then he got caught up in doing all sorts of things with, you know, prostitutes and stuff like that and party, party. And then after a while, the money ran out. And often when the money runs out, you know who your real friends are. And he go up to someone and say, look, and, and the same thing happened. There was a famine came across the land at that time and people were really desperate, you know, really hungry, the hungry season mega. And uh, he, he was trying to get money and no one would help, no one would give him food. And then he thought, oh, I know what. I know what. I know farming. I'll go and try and hire myself out on a farm and he got a job on a farm and he had this job to feed pigs. Now, I remember I grew up on a farm and I know what it's like to feed pigs. We used to take the rubbish food, the leftovers and give it to the pigs. Now, today, if you're a pig farmer, it's all regulated, it's all legit and it's, you know, it's not leftovers. It's properly regulated, okay? But this particular time and place He would have brought out a bucket or something and in it would have been all sorts of bits and pieces of stuff. And this is how desperate he is. This is how hungry he is. He looks in at the bucket. this This is the understanding. This is how hungry he is. He looks in and he goes, I could just eat some of that. And in the midst of that moment, he comes to his senses and he says, I have sinned against my family. I have sinned against heaven. Just maybe my father might take me back when I go back as not a son because I've wrecked that, but maybe just as a servant in the household. And so he begins this long journey, humble journey, back to the farm. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, the father is an incredibly loving father and he's been longing and hoping and wanting for this son to come home. And so what he would do, he would walk out at times on the road and he'd look out and see if the son's coming. And then one day he's looking out and he sees this frail frame walking towards him. And as the frail frame walks towards him, he looks a little bit closer and he goes hang on, no, I think that's my son. And he kind of rubs his eyes a little bit and blinks a bit and looks and he realises this is my son. And he picks up his outer garment and he runs like an old codger could, you know, to his son. And he wraps his arms around his son. He kisses his son and he says, welcome home, son. The son goes, dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against your family. And the father doesn't say one word of condemnation. He says, go and get some clothes for this young man of mine. And put it on him, actually get the best one, which is my one, give it to him to wear, get not only that, but let's go and get a ring and put it on his finger to reinstate him not as a slave, not as a servant in the house, but as a fully fledged son in the house and he's in the house and then he says, we've had this fatted calf that we've been fattening up for a party. Let's kill that fatted calf. We're going to party. We're going to celebrate because this son of mine, which I thought was dead, is now alive and he's back in the household and we are going to celebrate. Now, did Jesus finish the story then? No, he didn't. And a lot of times that's where people finish the story, but Jesus didn't. I want to read to you the second part of the story, which is from Luke chapter 15. It's just going to read from verse 25 to the end of the chapter, and this is what it says. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your son's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Listen to the reaction of the older brother. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out to him. What an amazing dad. And he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you never gave me even a goat "'that I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours, not my brother, "'this son of yours, who squandered your property "'with prostitutes comes home, "'you kill the fatted calf for him. "'My son,' the father replies, "'you are always with me and everything I have is yours. "'But we had to celebrate and be glad.'" And then he switches it because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Now, remember I said Jesus knew the crowd? So the oldest son in this story that Jesus is speaking about, he's speaking directly to the people who were the Teachers of the law who thought they had it all together, and they were like the oldest son. And then he speaks to people in the crowd that are, I don't have it all together. I'm a sinner. You know, what I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tax collector, whatever. And, and and that's like the youngest son. And I want to suggest to you today that there are two prodigals in this story. See, the the youngest son is the one who goes away wastes all that money, brings shame on the family, and I mean massive shame on the family, and goes and squanders all that wealth and then comes back in repentance. Thank God for that. But the older son is sitting in the father's house, but he doesn't have a heart like the father. There's no celebration about when his brother comes home because his heart was hard. And I wonder, and I say this to myself, I wonder how much of the church today has the Father's provision without the Father's vision, Father God. And this one verse in here, verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, which is really what I want to speak from today, is, just says this, while he was still a long way off, His father saw him. He saw him coming. He was filled with love and compassion and he ran to his son, he embraced him and he kissed him. This teaches us five things about the father heart of God. You want to know what God's like? This is what he's like. When God looks at you and I, do you know what he has? He has eyes of mercy. He has eyes of mercy. The father's eyes were looking. They were searching for this barefoot, frail, framed, ragged, clothing son coming in the distance. But the older brother, he had the father's farm and he had the father's field, but he didn't even have the father's eyes and he wouldn't even go in and welcome his brother back. Is it possible to belong to the father and not see what the father sees? So then the question is, what does he see? What does he want us to see? John chapter 4, verse 35, do not, do, not, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields they're ripe for harvest. The father's wants us to look at the fields. He wants us to look at the multitudes and multitudes are in that valley of decision. And he wants our vision to be focused to people. Who are outside his family? When he saw that boy a long way off, he ran to him. He has such a vision for the harvest, but the older brother had no vision whatsoever for those outside the family. They had—he had no vision for the harvest. He had no vision for the or dreams or or no desire to make any difference to people who are outside the family of God. Do you know, years ago, Karen and I, and we've been there quite a number of times, and I'm sure many of you have been there as well, been to Kolkata in India where Freeset is, which is a phenomenal New Zealand Baptist ministry that happens over there. And um, I remember going there the first time with Karen. And what they do in the ministry is they take women and children who've been uh, sold into prostitution. And in that part of Kolkata, they estimate 10,000 women have been sold like that. And their ministry is to take women and give them the opportunity to get off the line and to be set free, hence the word free set. Set free, free set. And Karen and I... And Kerry said to us, how about we go for a walk and I'll show you what it's like at night. And I had no idea. You you know how you have images in your head about that kind of stuff? And In the first service, anyone been been there? A couple of people? Yeah, okay. So there was a few people in the first service as well. And um, he took us down and we're just walking along. And and then he said, okay, we're going to go into this area now. We turn a corner and we walk and I just see this massive line of women and young girls lined up like this, shoulder to shoulder, 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 to shoulder. Turn down other, to shoulder, to shoulder, to shoulder, turn down other areas. To shoulder, to shoulder, to shoulder. It just overwhelmed me. All these women and young girls had been sold. And you know what? When I saw that, I thought what a phenomenal ministry Free Set is to give those women an opportunity to come off that line and to get a job at Free Set where they get proper pay, proper benefits, proper retirement package, everything. And you know what? Many of those women have found faith in Jesus Christ. When I saw that, with my eyes. Do you know what it did? It broke my heart. When Father God looks out upon humanity, on you and me, he has eyes of mercy, but he has this. He has a heart of mercy. There's a yearning in him, in that father figure at the side of his son, compassion has overwhelmed him and love, that boy who'd brought all that shame and sorrow onto that family, but the father reaches out to his son with a tender, forgiving and merciful heart. And in Hosea 11 verse 8, it says, My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. But we don't see that in the older son. He had the father's house, but he had no mercy like the father. When father God looks at you and I, he has eyes of mercy, he has a heart of mercy. But number three, he has this, he has feet of mercy. Feet of mercy. The father's feet are fast to offer forgiveness There's urgency in the Father. Time is critical to those who are outside of the Father's house. The Father's feet are fast to offer that forgiveness. You know, feet of mercy will cause up to go to a neighbour and to help and talk and share and just be a friend. Feet of mercy will help us to show kindness and acceptance to people who, who don't, Want to receive it sometimes, but they do, and I saw that just happen over this last few days as well. Feet of Mercy will enable some of you to answer the call of God and to do what Kerry and Annie and others have done—to go out into the mission field and serve. Feet of Mercy will call, just like they like happened with Michaela, and and, and obviously um, with Craig years ago. Feet of Mercy will, you know, enable you to do all sorts of things. When God looks at you and he looks at me, he has eyes of mercy, he has a heart of mercy, he has feet of mercy, but fourthly, he has arms of mercy. His arms are stretched out, just like that cross up there that reminds us of the arms of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour who lived an incredible life and then went to that cross In obedience to the Father, when it it was just such a strain, he dropped sweats of blood. That's how straining it was in him. And he can't, can this be taken away from me? He goes, no, not my will be done, but yours. I'll do this for all of humanity. I will die on a cross in their place to pay the price for all sin, once and for all. And and then he rose again and he lives today and he at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And they've given us the Holy Spirit who's in us and around us and moving through us. Jesus Christ's arms are reached out because he loves you and me so much. In Psalm 139, verse 12, it says, With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. I love that. We don't see that in the older brother. We don't see him reaching out with the father's arms. He had the father's estate, but he didn't have the father's estimate of a life that was lost. He had the father's assets, but he didn't have an assessment of the father's life and what a life was worth. Let me ask this question. Do do you and I have the father's arms? Do we? Or are our are arms full carrying all the wonderful provision, arms too full abounding with everything, the blessing of God, too full to lift the load of getting the message of the gospel to the least, to the last and to the lost. Arms too full to even think about that ministry of food that we heard about before. What an opportunity to release You know, the older brother, he was blessed with all this blessing. He had it all. But he had no burden at all for that brother and anyone outside of the family. When God looks at you and me, you want to know the heart, you want to know the father heart of God. When he looks at me, he has eyes of mercy. When he looks at you, he has a heart of mercy. He has feet of mercy. He has arms of mercy. But fifthly and lastly, he has mercy. Lips of mercy. Lips of mercy. You know, the Father's lips, here's something really critical. The Father's lips do not mention one word of condemnation. Think about that. You know when someone does something and you think, you know, that kind of thing? you just like, I'm going to give them a piece of my... Not one word of condemnation. And I love that scripture that says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The older brother, he has the father's lands that flowed with milk and honey, but he didn't have the father's lips that flowed with grace. That father, just imagine this, he sees that son with his eyes. This is his reaction. Compassion, not condemnation, compassion. He runs to the father and he wraps his arms around his son. I'm just put that picture of that real manly, you know? You know when blokes really, it's kind of like the hucker. (laughs) You know what I mean? That real manly thing. And then he does this, he kisses his son on the cheek and he pardons his son right in that moment. You know, look at the father's priorities. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, it says, go into all the world and speak or preach the gospel to all creation. That's what we need to be doing in our lives, in how we talk, in how we interact with friends, neighbours, family, whoever it might be. Let's be those kinds of people that do that. The Father is calling us to work for him as part of his family. Think about those three characters in the story that Jesus tells. The first one is the first son, you know, the, the young son, the prodigal that goes off in kind of wild living, but he comes to his senses and comes back. And, you know, he wasted stuff on prodigal Wild living. Or or the oldest son. This is a bit more, got to be careful because we can get a bit like the oldest son every now and then when you've been in the Christian faith for a while. You can get a little bit hardened. You know what I'm saying? Get that hardness coming in. And the older brother, we got all the possessions. You know, this is a great place and everything else. But there's lack of honest purpose and heart for people that are outside the family of God. And then the father represents people who use their possessions for priority living, and I thank God for the people who do that. Do you know the prodigal living outside the father's house? Do you know there's a story, a true story, of a family And um, the mother and the father in this family were pastors. They had a beautiful family. They had a son who was the oldest son. And this son, you know... Just loved Jesus. He, he made a commitment to follow Jesus. They were seeing him baptised, you know, the whole deal. And he was just passionate. He finished high school. He got awarded the top level you can get awarded at high school at, at citizenship. And um, he says to his dad, Dad, I want to go off to Bible college and I want to, I want to serve Jesus. And I'm thinking, geez, only 18. Is this going to be okay? And, and as we're thinking this through and, and then the parents go, yep, yep, it's okay let him go. God's calling him. Goes off to a theological college and um, he's there for a a year. And then at the end of that year, he goes, you know what, I think I'm going to have a change. I I want to go and travel. I want to go and travel. I need money. So he gets a job and he gets his job within a bank where he can earn money pretty quickly in the area that he is working in. And particularly if he did extra hours and he's because he's just a natural gifted leader, you know, he just, just earned lots and lots of money. And then he got some different friends. And unfortunately, the influence went the other way. And circumstances and situations took place within where he was that people were living for Jesus, but they didn't live out there living for Jesus and that cause some questions. He got caught up in drinking way too much alcohol to the point of even doing stuff that any parent would be so hurtful about in the drug space. The dad on one occasion remembers him staggering in at night with a friend and the son had drunk so much he was vomiting and could hardly talk. And then comes the opportunity to go and travel and the parents in the midst of all of this Are grieving, desperately praying, questioning what did we do wrong? How could this son, whom we love dearly, go so much in a different direction than what we brought him up in and what he chose to do, even to the point of going to Bible college? How could this happen? In worship and prayer in church, they'd be crying out to God, God, bring our son back. Tears were wept. And this went on for years. And then the son says, I'm going off to an island with my friends. It's called an island. Some of you may have heard of it, Abitha. It's a party island. And in that place, you can only just imagine what goes on there. And in the midst of this big party and music, and they're, they're, they're loving the music, you know, that woof, 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 music and getting into it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're dancing and having a great time and doing whatever was going on, you know what I mean? And we don't fully know exactly until we talked later. And um, just, just, you know, in that mo- moment... And then all of a sudden, as that loud music is going, as all the friends, and you you know that picture where they're all dancing around and jumping up and down and each other and all that sort of stuff? I'm not a great dancer, by the way. And they're doing all that stuff. And, and, And then in the midst of this, he hears a voice speak out in his mind or out loud these words. You were made for more than this. And the, and the, and the young boy kind of moves away, takes a moment thinking, hang on, that can't be. That's, that's, trying to question what's going on here, you know what I mean? And he said, oh, forget that. Go back into the, you know, dancing and all that. And, and then a second time, it happens again. In the midst of that, Incredibly, I was going to say sinful place, which it probably is in a lot of ways. The words came again. You were made for more than this. And he knew because he knew the Spirit of God was speaking. Got on his phone, he sent a message to his parents and said, I've just had an encounter. I've got some some good news to tell you when you get home, when we when I get home. Parents are so, what's this going to be? Could it be? Could it be? Pick him up from the airport, bring him home in the kitchen, talking, cup of tea, chatting. They're trying not to be. Overexcited. So what happened? And the story unfolds. There's tears from the parents and the son. The story goes on about the stuff that was happening in his life and the parents were shocked because they didn't know the depth of it. And the parents just hugged him and loved him, we pray, then prayed together, and repentance. And this went on for like an hour or two. It was an incredible night for this family. And he came back to Jesus. And that was our son. Let's bow and pray. Just as we're bowed in a moment of quietness and prayer, there may be someone here today, and I don't know your circumstance or situation because I'm I'm in this country. I've only been here since Wednesday. Haven't talked to Craig or anyone else, Mikala, about anything. This is between you and God. This is not out of prior knowledge or anything, but there just may be someone who's here today who's like the young son. And for so just for whatever reason, you're in church today. And this is not a setup, this is a God opportunity. You know what it's like. Or you want, you're just sitting there and you're going, you know what, that's part of my story. I, I really am feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I actually want to come back to Jesus. And if, if Jesus is calling you gently, the Holy Spirit's nudging, and you feel that knocking on your, on your heart, you know, that, that, that kind of thing that happens and sensing, oh, give it a go. If that's you today, and you want to say a little prayer in your own heart and mind right now, you could pray something as simple as this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for sin. Forgive me for all the things that have happened and set me free. I choose you. I come back to you. Accept me as you did that young prodigal. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus heard that prayer. And I really want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, just tell somebody, Craig or Kayla or someone else on the staff or a friend, and, and, and follow that up. There may be someone here today, and you heard me talking about that older brother, and and you know what that's like when you get that hardness of heart, and that that kind of starts to happen, and, and you're you're sitting there and you're going, you're feeling a little bit conviction. There might be just one person here today, and you say, I need a soft heart again. My heart's become hard. I really don't care less about people outside the family of God. And you might say, God, break my heart again for the lost. And if that's you now, you might simply pray this prayer in your own heart and mind. Dear Lord Jesus, break my heart for you. Take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh that is soft again and willing to hear and be led by You. Help me to have love at the full part of who I am. Help me to live this way, I pray in Your name, Jesus. And again, if you prayed that prayer, please speak to someone. Share that with someone. But there may be people here today, when I told that story about Karen and myself, and you might be sitting there today relating to that and going through the emotions that we've gone through, like, oh, I just want to tell them straight. Did I do something wrong? Why did that happen, God? You're questioning. They were an adult, they made that decision. But today could be the day that God speaks into their heart and into their mind. And you would do anything you could to see them come back to Jesus. A son or a daughter, a grandson or a granddaughter. And you can think of them right now in your own mind and in your own heart. And you say, Mark, include me in a prayer and I will even stand for my son and daughter. I will stand for my grandson and my granddaughter because it's the least I can do to show that I desperately, God, want them to come back to you. And So right now in this moment, if you wanna stand for your son, your daughter or your grandson or your granddaughter, and be included in a prayer, stand right now to your feet. Thank you. For all you people that are standing now, you need to hear this. God loves you incredibly. He has seen and hurt your pain. He wants to share that burden and that load with you. We're going to pray right now in just a moment that even in this moment as we pray together believing and let's be all believing in this space that God will speak into their lives now we know they've got to be receptive to it. We know they've got to make the decision. God's not going to make them make the decision. They have to make the decision. But we can pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the, and the love of God the Father and, the, and just, we just pour into them and speak into them, if not audibly, like happened with our own son. Oh, God, we just come before you right now. God hear our prayers you know the hearts the minds and the hurt and the pain of many people who are standing they desperately want to see those family members sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters brought back to you oh God please Lord would you speak to them Speak to that son, that daughter, that grandson, that granddaughter. Even now, God, we just humbly come before you. And we just pray even right now in this moment that you would speak to them in the quietness of wherever they are, whatever they're doing, whatever time zone they're in. Speak to them now, we pray. Continue to speak to them. Continue to knock on the door of their life. Continue. Help us as parents and grandparents to be incredibly loving. Help us to be yearning and wanting for them to come. Help us to not use words of condemnation. Help us to not be inappropriate. Help us to be like you, God. Eyes, heart, feet, arms and lips of mercy help us to be like that and even now lord in this moment i'm just going to invite you to say the name of that person maybe out loud all together or the names of those people all together and as you say it i believe god will speak so let's just say that right now god we pray for these names right now heard those names. God, you've heard those names. We just ask you in humility, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, move upon those lives. Speak into those lives. Knock on the doors of their hearts. Bring them back. May there be stories of people coming back. Maybe not right now. Some might be soon. Some might be later. But God, we just pray, continue to give us hope and faith and trust. We know that they can't Do it unless they choose, but we know that we can pray and intercede on their behalf, asking that you would continue to work in their lives. And that's our prayer on this day right now. Let's all stand together. Let's all just. And as we're standing in this place, we're going to sing. And I just want you to sit in this, stand in this place, and just let God minister to you in your pain. And let God just continue to pray for them. May God do miracles as we sing this song in the name of Jesus. Amen.